the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. I've learned over the years that if you want to learn something about a person, listen to how they pray. Because they pray what's on their heart. And so you're able to hear their heart when they pray. And so the same is true when we listen to or read the prayers of Jesus. We learn something about what's really on his heart. And in John chapter 17, before he goes to the cross and before he's crucified and ultimately raised from the dead and goes back to the right hand of God the Father, he prays this prayer. Notice what he's praying. My prayer is not for them alone. Let's stop there for a moment. He was talking about for the disciples. He had gathered with his disciples and he was not just praying for those disciples alone. But notice this. He's talking to his father. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. All of us are in that category. We have believed in Jesus because of the the message of the apostles. You've believed in Jesus because of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's through the message of John giving us the gospel. So he says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Please notice that. May be one. This is on the heart of Jesus. This is what he's praying about. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. There's a tremendous amount in this one particular verse or two verses that we're looking at here. But I'm going to highlight this, this, this one thing that is on the heart of Jesus. What did he want for us as his people? He wanted us to walk. Here's the key word in unity. He wanted, he's teaching, he's praying, he's calling upon the Father to help his children, us, you and me, to learn something about living in and walking in unity, being at one with others. In Philippians, we see the theme continuing to be developed by Paul as he's writing to the church at Philippi. He says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one Mind. Let me give this to you from just a couple of other translations. Let's look at the Amplified Version. Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, having the same love toward one another, knit together in spirit, intent on one purpose, and living a life that reflects your faith and spreads the gospel, the good news regarding salvation through faith in Christ. The Passion Translation says, So I'm asking you, my friends, that you be joined together in perfect unity with one heart, one passion, united in one love, walk together with one harmonious purpose and you will fill my heart with unbounded joy. 
time and time again. And I could have given you literally scores of other passages of Scripture that emphasize this call, this desire that God has for each one of us to learn how to walk in unity, to learn how to remove the divisions, the strife from our midst. And by the way, we live in a world that is greatly divided today. We live in a world that is filled with massive amounts of strife, and we as God's people should be a different breed in the midst of this world. We should be people that have learned to walk in unity. The central theme is this one word. Say it again with me. What is the word? Unity. It's a secret to relationships. How do I walk in unity with other people? How do I find this place in my relationships where division is removed and strife and tension is removed in the relationships of my life. And so if we're going to have unified relationships, then there's some secrets that we're going to learn today. Today you're going to get some secret information. It's not secret because it's not known. It's secret because it's very rarely known. Okay, It's very rarely applied in lives. Here's our first one. The best relationships are built on commonalities. The word commonalities, the root word of commonalities is the word common. No relationship ever forms without some kind of commonality. You have a commonality with someone, you hold something, you share something in common with another person, and that is the beginning point of any kind of relationships. Relationships always form on the basis of things held in common. We see this in the early church when they fell in love with Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they formed this early church. The Bible says all the believers were together and had everything in common. This wasn't just the, the, the physical possessions. They, they shared common values, a common heart with one another. And in the day-to-day interactions that we have in our world of relationships, connections are built on commonalities. Something has to put people together. Something draws people to people. Something becomes the initial stickiness, we might say, that creates a connecting point between individuals or between groups. So the best relationships are built on commonalities. You have to have something in common with someone if you're going to have a relationship with them. If there's nothing in common with them, you'll never form a relationship with them. Why? Because here's the second principle today. Commonalities are the very thing that create bonds in our life. A commonality, if it's strong enough or if it's nurtured enough. Let me stop there for a moment. If you have something in common with someone and it's strong enough, or maybe it's not all that strong, but you nurture that commonality, you nurture what you have and you, you pour into, you feed what you have in common with someone, then that's how relationship bonds are created. No relationship will ever last very long without a bond. You've got to have a bond with someone. People need some glue to stick them together. It's not just enough to have an initial commonality with someone, but that commonality then has to be translated into a bond that sticks people together. What is bonding? Bonding is that fact that there's something now that holds the relationship together, something that creates a unified connection with another person. Examples of bonding are found all throughout the pages of Scripture. You have Jonathan and David. You have all kind of examples of it in the Bible. Let me give you another example in the New Testament. It's Paul's relationship with Timothy. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 19, let's look at this bond that existed between Paul and Timothy. 
I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon that I also may be cheered. This is Paul writing that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. And notice what he says, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me. It's commonality. Serve with me in the work of the gospel. Paul is writing to the believers at Philippi and saying, I'm going to send Timothy to you. And I have great confidence in Timothy when he comes because Timothy and I have a bond. When he shows up, I'm showing up. When he shows up, he's going to show up in the same spirit that I would have shown. I can't come. Paul writes he's in prison at this time, so he cannot come himself. But he's sending Timothy, and he says, I know this young man. I know what he's like because we have a bond together. We've been in this work of the gospel. He's served with me. We've shared persecution together. We've shared the good times and the bad times. We've shared the ups and we've shared the downs. So we have a bond together, and this bond has made us like father and Son. So Paul and Timothy had a bond created by this commonality, this strong commonality. And a bond is what turns stickiness into adhesion. It's not just enough to be sticky. There needs to be adhesion if a relationship is going to occur. Because adhesion is what adds endurance, durability to the relationship that adds a lasting element to the connection. What causes a marriage to last? Not just two people Uh, making a statement before a pastor. No, what makes a marriage last are two people that are bonded together, okay? The two have now become one. They've been bonded together. Therefore, let not man separate what God has put together. Why? Because there's a bond that has occurred. Now, here's our third point today. Third thing to understand is that some bonds are stronger than others. Not all bonds and relationships are strong. Not all bonds are long-lasting. Some bonds actually are, are fairly superficial, very temporary. Others are deep some, and, and very enduring. I have people in my life right now that I have a strong bond with. We've been bonded for 35, 40 years together. We have a relationship because we've walked through stuff together. And I'll come back to this in a moment, some of the other aspects of those. And we also have, all of us have people in our lives that we thought we were bonded with, but they disappeared. They're no longer a part of your life anymore. And they, you thought you were bonded. You thought there was something there, but, but it didn't last. The stickiness or the adhesion really was not, was not really as strong as you thought it was. And the reason was because there was, a, there was something missing in the bonding. Not all bonds are, are permanent. What draws people together doesn't always keep them together. Let me say that again. What draws people together doesn't always keep people together. There are a lot of superficial reasons why people are drawn together. Sometimes people are drawn together just out of sheer attraction. There are a lot of marriages that form on the basis of physical attraction alone. They like the way somebody looks, okay? And the way somebody looks really affects them emotionally and and sets off all kind of fireworks inside of them and say, oh, I must love this person because they look so great, okay? They look so awesome. And so while there's certainly nothing wrong with attraction, I will tell you attraction is a very weak bond because with the exception of a few of us, most of us over time become less attractive. Amen? Okay. okay. <laughs> you just don't look the same way at 70 as you looked at 30, okay, or 20. 
And so if you're building a relationship on the bond of attraction, you're not going to have a very long-lasting relationship. It's very superficial. It's very temporary. That's why we have something here for married couples, people who want to get married, called preparation for marriage, because we want them to look beyond just the superficial things. Let's get to the real issues. You can share a bond with someone over activities, and you're bonded together because you do stuff together. Maybe it's your golfing buddy, and you're really, you think that's a great friend. They're not really your greatest friend in the world. They just like to play golf with you. And so you may think it's a friendship, but it's really, and it can be okay, nothing wrong with it, but it's, it's more of a, an acquaintance shared around an activity. Or you can have a bond with someone based upon your work or based upon your business or based upon some environment you happen to find yourself in. All these things, nothing wrong with them, but these do not create attraction and activities and your work and your business and environments you may find yourself in. Oh yeah, there's some commonality here, but a very superficial bonding that occurs. There are three aspects of life that will cause bonds to go deep. Let me give them to you. You ready for these? It's a secret. Okay. Experiences. When you share deep experiences with someone, what does that create? Say it with me. A, when you go through stuff with people, what does it create? It creates a bond. Another bond a key bond is, should be family. That you share a bonding with your family. Your family is, you, you care about them. They, you have a vested interest in building up your family. And so this is a key bonding aspect of life. And then the third category would be your values and your commitments. When you share a, a value or share a commitment with someone that creates a bond as well. So what are the three strongest kinds of bonds in life? Say them with me. Number one is experiences. Number two, families. Number three, values and commitments. So if you want to build a lasting bond with someone, this is what you focus on. You focus on sharing experiences together, building family relationships well, and making sure you share common values and commitments with those that you're seeking to bond with. Some bonds, as I mentioned, are stronger than others. The first ones I mentioned are very weak. These are much stronger. And let's go to the fourth point. We only have five today, so we're working through these quickly. Here's the fourth thing to realize. The strongest relationship bonds create commitment built on common values. Let's go back again for a moment. Look with me again. What are the three strongest kinds of commitments? What are they built on? Say it with me. Help me out. This is teaching time. Experiences, family, and values. Of those three, which is the strongest of those three? Answer. The strongest relationship bonds create commitment built on common values. So the strongest bonds are not even built on experiences and the strongest bonds are not always built on family relationships, but the strongest bonds are built when you share values that lead to commitment with someone else. Now, how do we build these values? Let me give you some principles that will help us to do that. It involves connecting with people who share your values and commitments, which mean you need to know what you value. Because if you don't know what you value and what you're committed to, you're not going to connect with people of a like mind. 
So what do you value? What are the values of your life? The reason that I have some friendships that I have that have lasted for 35, 40, 45 years now is because we've shared some very deep, yes, experiences, but more importantly, we share some very deep values together. The closest friends in my life are those who value the work of the gospel, who value the work of the church, who value extending God's kingdom, who value uh, being relevant to a current culture and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. We share these values, and because we share these values, it's created a bond between us in terms of friendship. Not just the experiences, but we share values together. I know what I value. And when I know what I value, I can find people around me who value what I value, and then out of those values will come a commitment. Same is true in a marriage. For a marriage to work, you've got to value your covenant relationship with one another. You've got to value the fact that you stood before God and said, I do. Till death do us part, I do. And so you make that value. The value is to endure a marriage, to make a marriage work long term, so you commit to it. And so Building on values involves connecting with people who share your values. You can't share, you can't share values with someone unless you know what they are. And I'll come back to, those, to that in just a moment. The second thing is identifying and strengthening common values and commitments in your existing relationships. Let me explain this. If you want to be more bonded, have more unity with the person, you've got to find commonalities with them. We're very good at finding our differences, aren't we? But what will make a relationship stronger is to find what do we share in common? Let's let's forget for a moment about how different we are and let's find out what we share in common. To make a marriage work, well, I need to learn what I share in common with my wife and what she shares in common with me. Not how we're different, but how we have the same commonalities. We're going in the same direction. These are the same things that we believe in. We build on the things that we share in common. Let me tell you how you you are unified with other believers. You share the commonality that we know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We may have lots of different differences and various aspects of of ideas and, and other aspects of life, but I can fellowship with you and you can fellowship with me because we both believe in Jesus. Amen? We might be different in other ways, but let's not worry about those because the thing that makes us unified is to share the common element of what we really do value. So it involves identifying, strengthening the common things in your life. So often we focus on how different we are. and Well, she's not like me. She thinks this and he thinks that and we're so different. How many times have you heard that? We're so different. Well, okay, that's all right. Maybe you're different, but what do you share in common? It involves taking time to say, what are the things, what are the values that we share in common? And then the, the process of unity involves navigating any major differences or conflicts in what kind of way? In harmonious ways and healthy ways, so that when you are at a place where there is a difference, you don't let the differences divide you. You navigate those differences in ways that are harmonious and in ways that are healthy. There's a difference between having an opinion that's different from someone and being opinionated. Amen? There's a difference between having an observation about someone observation, there we go, and forming a judgment about them, right? 
And so you can have a difference with someone, but you have to navigate it well. I may have an opinion that's different from your opinion, but I don't have to be opinionated because I have to hold the fact that there's the slightest possibility that my opinion might be wrong. Have you ever considered that? Okay. There's the possibility that the way you're looking at something may not even be correct. And so opinionated people give no room for adjustment in their life. But people who have an opinion are still open to influence and persuasion and to consider the possibility of another person's opinion. And we can make an observation about someone, but when it turns into judgment toward them or prejudice toward them, then we've separated the relationship. And so you've got to navigate the differences the conflicts in harmonious, positive ways because this builds unity instead of destroying unity. Everybody still with me today? Are you? Okay. Look at these verses. Can two walk together unless they are what? Agreed. Can I just throw this out here today? One of the things we could all work on, we could all improve in is becoming more agreeable. Amen? Most of us don't have a problem being disagreeable, okay? The problem we have is being more agreeable. Letting down some of the barriers of our life and walking together with other people because we've learned how to be agreeable. It doesn't mean that you have to approve of everything that another person thinks or does, but you do it in a way that is an agreeable spirit about you. It's not an attitude that separates, it's an attitude that builds common ground. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common, or what fellowship can light have with darkness? So here Paul says, be careful who you're yoked together with. And do not be yoked together with unbelievers. That is, don't build your strongest bonds in life with people who aren't going where you're going spiritually. You can't do that. What fellowship does righteousness and wickedness, what what do they have in common? What fellowship can light have with darkness? Light and darkness can't hang out together. They don't exist because once light is introduced, there is no darkness. So you can't fellowship. Light and darkness cannot fellowship. And so Paul says, be careful who you're yoked with. Do not be yoked together with the people who are pursuing the wrong kind of value system. Don't let them be your best friends. Do not yoke together with, be yoked together with unbelievers. But let's flip it around just for a moment because I think we can do this very easily without offending Scripture at all. If we're not to be yoked together with unbelievers, we are to be yoked together with believers. Do not be yoked together, but be yoked together with believers. What is a yoke? A yoke is used with two oxen. It's a a thing that's fashioned to go around their necks so that they can pull together. They can work together. They can accomplish things together. We need to yoke ourselves with the right people. Here's what I want to encourage you to make sure you're doing, to make a choice today to say, I'm going to yoke up with the right people. I'm going to learn to be a Yoker, not a joker, but a yoker, okay? I'm going to learn how to get my neck into the yoke with other people and work well with them. Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. 
The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus, I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.